there. It's episode 40. This is Nick the American. Who wears number 40 that I can talk about? I have no fucking idea. Who can we honor? Actually, actually, we'll do another Denver Bronco. The late, it's not the late, the great Vaughn Miller wore 58 for the Broncos. What, in the Super Bowl with the Rams and I think the Bills now? He wears number 40. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? Vaughn Miller. Hey, 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 by the way, I love Vaughn Miller. Do you guys realize if you got some sort of trivia question or some sort of opinion question, what was the greatest defensive performance in Super Bowl history? In fucking history. Guess what it would be if you had any brain at all? It would be Super Bowl 50, the Denver Broncos versus the Carolina Panthers, when Vaughn Miller had two and a half sacks, a strip sack that got a touchdown. Malik Jackson scored a touchdown with a strip sack. And then he strip sacked Cam Newton again and got the ball like the two or the three. He scored 14 points. We didn't score an offensive fucking touchdown. Well, we did, but it was because of Vaughn Miller. He scored 14 points. He had two and a half sacks in the Super Bowl. He won us Super Bowl 50. There, I know some people will say like Reggie White in the, the Packers-Patriots Super Bowl because he has that dope-ass sack where he just levels the guy with one arm. Bullshit. Vaughn Miller, Super Bowl 50, the greatest performance in Super Bowl history by a defender. All right. I want to tell you the truth, okay? And I had talked about the Republican National Committee, the RNC, and Ronan McDaniel leaving. She's not stepped down yet. I acted like she had stepped down. So she steps down like next month, okay? And I talked about Laura Trump taking over the RNC. And that was very premature on my part. I saw some articles. Trump was floating Laura Trump. But I've also seen there's a bunch of qualified people. Not to say that Laura Trump is not qualified. I just don't know her. There's a bunch bunch of people within the RNC that are qualified that are lobbying for this position. They're actually checking their bylaws within the RNC. They're trying to, to make sure that, hey, we're not going to pay Trump's legal bills, are we? We have candidates in the House and the Senate all over the country that 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 need need cash too. We can't just be a piggy bank for Trump. And so, you know, I get so desensitized to Donald Trump sometimes and some of the things he could pull. And if Laura Trump took over the RNC, which is a big if, I don't think it's going to happen. Republicans can't let that happen. You basically let Trump take over the RNC for good or bad. And do you really think he's equipped to run campaigns or help run campaigns for the House and the Senate along with his presidency? Or is it just going to be MAGA candidates and anybody who has ever opposed him a little bit in the past is a rhino and they, they're, they're going to get less funding? Can you imagine what a shit show that would be? But I want to bring it up because Laura Trump is not the head of the RNC. I don't think she's going to be. She shouldn't be. I don't care what her fucking qualifications are, okay? But I kind of acted like Trump had taken it over, and I want to be fair to the king. You know, we're never fair in politics. So <clears throat> I jumped the gun a little bit on Laura Trump and the RNC. I apologize. We will monitor it because you guys know how I feel about my my girl Rona. Anyways, anyways, moving forward. You know, my wife's out of town. My wife is out of town. She's been out of town for like the last three or four days. She's with my middle son, Spencer, and they went to Las Vegas, Nevada for a football tournament. 
and I got all the videos. Mom got to go, not me, but uh, they ended up staying a couple couple days extra. They were out in Mesquite, Nevada, gorgeous fields, gorgeous scenery with the rock in the background. But uh, so I've been on my own. I've got three kids. I've got my oldest son, I've got my youngest son, and I've got my middle daughter. And so we're fending for ourselves, dinners, school lunches, all that sort of fun stuff that normally mom helps out on. Oh, so do I. So do I. I'm pretty I'm pretty dope, I have to admit it. But uh, I have to tell you what. I, I just noticed this, and I, you know, as a father, a Republican father, a Democratic father, a liberal father, a conservative father. No, we're all fathers. We're all fathers. We all go through the same shit. And I notice when my wife is around, which is almost all the time, I can't stop picking and prodding at my little girl, Campbell. I want to squeeze her. I want to pinch her. I want to punch her. I want to kiss her. You know, I want to get her in a headlock and give her a noogie. Um, I'm probably, uh, you, know, God, you know, I'm not a bad dad, but I just can't keep my hands off her. I like to, I like to mess with her. I like to tease her. I like to make fun of her. <clears throat> I like it when she comes back at me and she shows me some street smarts that she's learning. She didn't fall for one of dad's dumb tricks. But let me tell you this. When my wife is out of town and it's just me and my girl, something comes over me. I I stop picking at her and prodding at her. No more chokeholds. I do not do that. I, well, it's a cute, you know, she likes to wrestle. So we, we wrestle. She's going to be a wrestler. I love her more. I'm more of an adult to her. I'm, we have conversations more. And it's just weird. The dynamic changes when mom is gone. All of a sudden, dad becomes a kinder, gentler, less teasing dad. And so I pick up my wife and my son at the airport tonight and I wonder just automatically when I come home, am I going to start, uh, you know, pinching my girl's arm or, or trying to give her a big fat kiss on the cheek or something like that? Because when mom is gone, dad transforms into super dad. No more teasing, no more picking, no more prodding, just pure loving. I thought it was interesting. I don't know. I've just been observing this. And I've noticed this a couple times. I don't know what it is about me, but uh, anyways, I thought you guys would find that really fucking interesting. So, all right, let's talk about the Alabama Supreme Court. Let's talk about in vitro fertilization. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you're a conservative listening to this fucking show, you guys just keep stepping in it. You guys wanted Roe v. Wade overturned. My entire life, my 45 years on this planet, that was the fucking goal. And murder in this country. Well, you guys have also been obsessed with this definition of when, what, what, you know, what's life? What's life? Life is at conception. You guys want this definition in set in stone. Why? So maybe one day you could ban abortion. You, 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 you could go further with your bans. Now, <clears throat> Alabama has has basically taken the Republican rhetoric for the last 45 years and says life is at conception, okay? And Republicans, I, I can't for the life of me understand, if this was your stance, you didn't understand that that egg that you say is a life that can't be touched, 
is used in IVF treatment. IVF clinics in Alabama are halting their practices because the court applied the law. The court is applying the law. The law comes from the Republican rhetoric. Now, they asked Nikki Haley, all fucking confused. They asked Tommy Tuberville, all sorts of fucking confused. Nope, life starts at conception. Well, do you realize that would eliminate IVF? Oh, no, no, I'm for IVF, but life starts at conception. Tommy Tuberville is a senator from fucking Alabama. He's a former fucking college football coach of the Auburn Tigers. The guy's supposed to be prepared. You're telling me, Tommy Tuberville, or or Nikki Haley, your f- life's at conception, and you're pro IVF. That doesn't jive. That doesn't jive. You can't be both. And it is going to be interesting how are Republicans going to evolve on this fucking issue. You've heard me. I think starting from episode three, I think I started talking about abortion, and I said Republicans have to evolve on this issue. They've got to come. You know, they've got to you know update themselves with the times. They have to, or they will lose elections. Okay, and we've seen a bunch of Republicans. We've we've seen. Oh well, I wanted Roe v. Wade overturned, and I wanted to go to the states, but it's up to the states to decide. It's up to the states to decide. We've seen Republicans all of a sudden go. Well, I'm not for abortion, but I'm for it here and here and here. Oh, so your quasi-choice, they started to evolve because they saw in Kansas, they saw in states like Kentucky, where abortion was on the ballot. It's a losing issue for them. It's a losing issue. And IVF, if how, how this ruling by the Alabama Supreme Court could come out, and an Alabama senator, a former fucking Auburn football coach who's supposed to be prepared, had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. Go ahead and read Tommy Tuberville's quotes. It is a hodgepodge of absolute shit. You guys think I'm stupid. Jeez, Tommy Tuberville is a flipping Republican senator from the great state of Alabama. No wonder why Auburn never won shit under Tommy Tuberville. My goodness. How many Republicans and Democrats have had IVF? Every single person that listens to this show knows somebody who's had IVF, okay? I guess we have to rethink where life starts, Republicans, because if you don't, courts are going to apply the law and clinics are going to follow the law. I talked about the Republican House needs to get itself in order. Fucking A. You guys wanted Roe overturned. You got it. Now, hey, life's at conception. Hey, you want it? No more IVF. Let every, make sure, make sure that every single Republican who votes Republican who's had IVF not just raises one hand. Yeah, I had the IVF treatment. But two, I'm also a Republican. I vote against my fucking interests. Evolve on the issue, Republicans, and I I believe you will to the best of your ability. Now, mind you, <clears throat> there's probably 20%, 30%, 25%, 30% of the Republican Party that absolutely thinks abortion is murder. Period. There is no exception for the life of the mother. Doesn't matter if she, matter if she was raped. It does not matter. Okay, no exception. 
probably the same thing with IVF. Life starts at conception. That egg is not to be used in some sort of IVF treatment. You're going to have to evolve or you will lose on the ballot box. On the ballot box. At the ballot box. Now, let's transition a bit. You know, you guys hear me talk about Joe Biden and how the fuck he has to step down. This is an opportunity of a lifetime if you are a Democratic electoral strategist. This opportunity doesn't come along very often. And that opportunity is to run against someone like Donald Trump, coupled with the fact that women are looking at the Republican Party going, okay, you want to ban abortion. Boy, I know a lot of people on both sides that have had the medical procedure. And it's always not the 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 18-week abortion where the woman just says, I'm done and I don't want the baby. There's a, no abortions the same. There's a lot of different abortions. So you get to see your stance. Republicans get to see their stance on abortion in real time. You're seeing your stance on IVF in real time, flip-flop. It's an opportunity for the Democratic Party to not just beat Donald Trump and the Republicans in November, to fucking whitewash them. Now, if Joe Biden is our nominee, he's not whitewashing anybody. Now, yes, he did beat Trump by 7 million votes, 7.2 million votes. And it was because of that large state called California that that really pushed him over the top. No, actually, you could eliminate California and he still fucking won the popular vote. But (coughs) I'm a broken fucking Record, Man, I'm swearing a lot today. I'm all fired up. I'm a broken record. An opportunity of a lifetime. If Andy Bashir is your nominee, if Wes Moore is your nominee, if Roy Cooper is your nominee, you beat Trump by 21 million votes. You pick up another five states in the Electoral College and you literally, literally make the Republicans decide between their party and the image that their king has taken their party. You get to decide. Joe Biden has to fucking step down. Andy Bashir, Wes Moore, Roy Cooper, Gavin Newsom. I keep saying it over and over. The Republicans are struggling on abortion. They're going to get smacked by women. But if we wheel out an 81-year-old, that is the one man that Trump can beat. Vice versa, vice versa. Trump is the one guy that Biden can beat. And Trump ain't going anywhere. Republicans, you had your shot to pick a different candidate. And we'll get into South Carolina in a minute. You had your shot. That shot is fucking over with. He's your nominee. Democrats, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get to pick. We had an incumbent president. Our incumbent president and the DNC and Jamie Harrison need to fucking look themselves in the mirror and say, do we want to sweat like a whore in church on November 2nd? Or do we want to do we win win like Obama beat McCain or Reagan beat Mondale? How the fuck do we want it? Do we want control of the Senate? Do we want control of the House? Another another malfunction. I don't know. I don't know. 
Because right now my party says, no, no, we're not interested in putting out the best candidate. We're not interested in winning. We're more interested in tradition. We can't fuck with an incumbent president, even though, even though he just fumbles around and fucks things up. Now, now, again, Trump's policy, Biden's policy, you've heard me. I don't... Fuck, it's not that much different. It, it, it's not going to ruin the country, help the country. What will ruin the country is someone in charge of it that believes our democracy is a complete fucking sham and will do anything to put people in place in strategic positions to make sure that democracy doesn't function properly. Democracy in this country functions just fine. It's always functioned fine. Yeah, it can be a little messy sometimes. But the key to democracy is a winner and a loser. And Trump will never, as we've talked about, will never concede defeat. Ever, ever, ever. That's why he's a threat. That's why he's a danger. Are, is Trump just going to get elected? Fakely? Are we going to, uh, you know, or... Biden beats him and, and he wants to take the country into like some small guerrilla civil war like he did on January 6th. Are we just going to be okay with it? Uh, are we just going to go back to democracy after Trump's gone? Oh, all the Republicans can say, well, that was just Trump. That was a special fucking case. We just going to go back? Democracy. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't end with Trump. It doesn't start with Trump. You know, it's always been here. It's been our foundation. It's been our foundation. Thank God Donald Trump was not fucking George Washington. He'd have been president for 40 fucking years. And everybody knows that. And the problem is the mega people would, be go, would say, that's totally fine. When was having a dictator totally fine? So wake the fuck up, Democrats. I'm all over the map here. Wake the hell up. Joe Biden is going to be 81 years old. He doesn't know the difference between his granddaughter and his wife. Now, I know he does. That doesn't mean he's going to not going to fuck it up three times out of ten in front of a bunch of people. Okay? How, how bad do we want to win? Trump's this existential threat. Bullshit. Bullshit if Joe Biden's the nominee. God. All right. Well, we had a South Carolina primary. Nikki Haley, you know, she continues to do okay if losing by 20 points is okay in your home state. She garnered 40% of the vote. She garnered 40% of the vote. And like I've told the king, be nice to her. She has no fucking shot of winning. Just pat her on the head like a puppy dog. Ignore her. Ignore, you know, she's, she's you know, she brought the heat lately, the last few weeks, like never before. Ignore her, Donnie. Ignore her. Now, does Trump have a problem? Does Trump have a problem? How many of those Nikki Haley voters are Democrats? I, I know, I know. You know, everyone's going to yell at me on social media. It's just Democrats. It's just Democrats. Well, if you want to lie to yourself and tell you that it's just Democrats, or if I want to lie to myself, Republicans, and tell myself it's it's a bunch of disgruntled Republicans that are voting for Haley and they won't vote Trump. We can lie to each other. The truth's more in the middle. Sure, there's some Democrats voting for Haley in South Carolina. No doubt. There's also some female Republicans. Will they come back to Trump? Is it a problem? That's one of the things that um, 
reading social media comments, um, talking with some of the MAGA people. There is, you know, I understand that there's an election. And one of the reasons why an election or a football game for that matter is so nerve wracking is because you know you could win or you could lose. I'm telling you, these MAGA people, Trump didn't lose. Trump can't lose. Trump is going to win in a landslide. And so when you have that mentality, you have that thought process, that's what you've conditioned your brain to think, to believe. And then the outcome isn't what you thought. It's fraud. It's bullshit. No, you were just too fucking stupid to look at both sides. Maybe a third side. Yeah, yeah, Trump could lose. So could Biden. So could Biden. It's really that fucking simple. It's that simple. So is Nikki Haley? Nikki Haley's running out of money. I saw the Koch brothers or the Koch brother. Uh, they pulled their funding from Nikki Haley. I didn't even read why. They probably don't want to upset the king too much. They've probably already, you know, you know, received some of his wrath. But uh, Haley's going to stay until Super Tuesday. I'm not even sure when that is, when there's like 10 states that vote. <clears throat> she might be able to, I don't know, I, maybe Utah's in there. Could she win Utah? I don't know. Some of those Mormon conservatives are really soured on Trump. Those Mormon conservatives are the reason why um, a senator like Mitt Romney or, you know, the Republican Paul Bear or former nominee for the presidency came damn close to beating Obama. It's the reason why he was able to speak his mind because he was in a state protected from Trump. He was he he wins by 35, 40 percent. And if he goes against Trump, oh, no, he loses eight percent. Other politicians weren't so lucky. They weren't so fortunate. They didn't have that 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 rope that Romney had. So Nikki Haley stays in until Super Tuesday. How much more damage can she cause? I'm telling you, Donnie, the quieter you are, the less damage that she causes. Okay. You know, we haven't t- talked about sports in a while. We haven't. We haven't even talked about the Denver Broncos that much. Well, let's hit it really quick here. The Denver Broncos, what are we going to do at the most important position on the field? Quarterback. You know the Denver Broncos have never drafted a quarterback that was worth a shit. We traded for Elway, and we got Manning off the, the – when when the Colts cut – Peyton Manning, we picked him up. We got him in free agency. He he chose Denver. We just tried to trade for Russell Wilson. We traded for Jake Plummer. We didn't draft Jake Plummer. Denver has never... Craig Morton. We didn't draft Craig Morton. Denver has never... And I know there's different front offices, but we've, we've shown zero capability to actually draft a signal caller that was worth a shit. So what do we do? What do we do? We, we have been quarterbackless in Denver since 2015. And really, 2015, the year that we won it with Manning, uh, and in six games with Osweiler, we were fucking quarterbackless. Peyton Manning was absolutely shot, totally shot, completely shot. So what does Denver do? Do we draft a quarterback? Who do we look at in free agency? Do we try to trade for a quarterback? So... If they go out and get Kirk Cousins in free agency, which is going to cost them 40, 50 million bucks on a one-year deal, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. 
<coughs> Cousins can put up numbers. He can throw the football. He's a quarterback that we haven't had since Manning. And I'm not comparing Cousins to Manning. Now, could we go trade for Justin Fields? The Bears have the top pick. Justin Fields looks like he has everything. My God, what a physical talent that some books look like. Run, throw. Now, how smart is he? I don't know. How, how, how quick does he get to his third read or his second read? I don't know. Uh, can defensive coordinators trick him pre-snap with scheme? I don't know. But Justin Fields is extremely intriguing to me. If George Payton and the Denver Broncos made that move, I'd be for it. I'd be for it. Now, the draft. The draft. My goodness. Uh, you, you've heard me talk about you know how I, I don't break down uh, NFL quarter NFL quarterbacks that are college, you know, trying to enter the league because it, it, it is the hardest. It, it's like trying to uh, evaluate a baseball player. You don't know if they can hit a 97 mile or slider. You, you just don't know. You don't know. Even if they're a blue chip in football with quarterbacks, you have no flipping idea who's going to be good. You know, I throw this out. Trevor Lawrence will be entering his fourth year in the NFL. Number one overall pick. Coming into last year, it was like, oh, Lawrence, he's on his way. He's on his way. And I was like, really? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sold yet. I'm telling you, we are three full seasons into the NFL with Trevor Lawrence, and you still don't know if he's any good. Herbert from uh, University of Oregon, San Diego Charger quarterback. Yeah, Herbert looks really good. He took a big step back last year, this, this year. Maybe that'll change. Harbaugh's coming in. I believe in Herbert, but we still don't know 100% on Herbert. I still think there's some questions. So how guys that have been in the league two, three, four years, you're still going, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's there. Maybe it's not. How do you, how do you evaluate a college kid? How do you evaluate J.J. McCarthy, the Michigan Wolverine quarterback, coming into the draft? The dude didn't throw a pass in the second half against Iowa. Why? Harbaugh just loved to run so much. Maybe that was their philosophy. And you heard me say this before. McCarthy was not being asked to do as much as he could do, for sure. But this kid really did not throw the ball at the collegiate level you know, like you need to see. Nowhere near to be a first-round pick in the NFL. My boy Michael Penix. Shit, he should have quit after the Texas game. Looked like Johnny Unitas. Yeah, I mean, even under pressure, he looked great. The championship game against Michigan, he missed some big throws. Missed Roma Dunze in the first half. Would have been a touchdown. Just he missed throws that he generally made. And part of it is, if you pressure Michael Penix, he gets nervous. He gets shaky. Is Michael Penix, a, he's got first-round arm talent, 100%. Outside of that, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Caleb Williams can't stay healthy, and he turns the ball over like crazy because he's a magician. Is he going to make it? I have no idea. <clears throat> so, Denver drafting a quarterback? I have no idea. I have no idea. How will that work? Who do we draft? Here, I say we get Cousins, and we draft a quarterback. We trade for Fields, and we draft a quarterback. And I don't care if that quarterback is a first-round pick. Denver Instead of trying to pick one guy and cross your fingers, he's the guy. Let's pick two. Let's pick two. 
Cousins and our first round pick. Justin Fields and our first round pick. Okay. Let's get Justin Fields and pick up Michael Penix. Let's get Justin Fields and pick up McCarthy. Let's get Kirk Cousins and pick up one of those two guys. I still would take Penix over McCarthy, but there's something about McCarthy that tells me he's a gamer, even though we haven't seen it. So we'll draft Penix or McCarthy, and they'll fucking suck. Okay, I don't know. You know, Drake Drake May looks impressive, but boy, everybody sure loves Drake. Loves me some Drake May. I mean, was the North Carolina football team not very good? <clears throat> because he did not put up good numbers. He did not put up great numbers, comparatively speaking, to years prior. So what a crapshoot drafting an NFL quarterback is. My goodness. My patented. My goodness. All right. This is going to be a little bit quicker of a show today. I've got things to do. But uh, I was reading an article about Amy Coney Barrett and uh, uh, Sonia Sotomayor. They're uh, two female Supreme Court justices on the high court. Two different ideologies, one appointed by Obama, the other appointed by Trump. And uh, the article stemmed around how the Supreme Court is a family and how Sotomayor and Comey Barrett bring each other gifts. And if their child is sick, they might bring them something. They're a family. And and when you think about... uh, a couple different other philosophies. If you go back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, obviously a liberal, and and Antonin Scalia, the late Antonin Scalia, a conservative, a classic conservative Supreme Court justice, those two had an intellectual relationship. It sounds like to beat the band. Okay, they stimulated each other. Not in that way, although that'd make a pretty good video. Not, <clears throat> excuse me. They stimulated each other. In a way, they loved each other. Now, they had huge differences that they could talk about and laugh about and argue about. Sounds like Sotomayor and Coney Barrett, they can do the same thing. Yes, they have different ideologies. But when your son's sick, hey, I'm going to bring you some chicken soup. Okay, That's what family does in the Supreme Court as a family. Ladies and gentlemen, all my detractors on social media... Right, mega Republicans, the 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 wacky left who wants to defund the fucking police. We are on the same team. We are in the same family. Yeah, we got a crazy uncle to the left, and we got a crazy aunt on the right. But we still have to find a way to love them. We still have to find a way to work together. And if the Supreme Court is any example, let it be an example to us, the people. Be 15% better. Take a different angle, a different approach in life to how you how, how you deal with this whole political conundrum that everyone is afraid to talk about. Everyone is disgusted about. We're a team. We have to change the tone. Thank you, Amy Coney Barrett. Thank you, Sonia Sotomayor, for changing the tone. Thank you, Mrs. Ginsburg. Thank you, Mr. Scalia. You help change the tone. Yes, your opinions can be divisive and they can divide. But we know there's so much more that unites. It's just as simple as that. So, it's a Tuesday morning. 
that I'm speaking to you. My goodness, I got to go pick up my wife today at the airport. I'm excited. I get to see my wife and my kid, and I get to be a dick again to my daughter. All right. Love you. Episode 40, Vaughn Miller for the Rams. Fuck am I even talking about? I'm out of here. Goodbye.